Previously on Gresh and Fourier. They needed him. Bill O'Brien doesn't need the Patriots. Nope. The Patriots definitely need Bill O'Brien. Great line. I'm going to put a piece of, I'm going to put a number on a piece of paper. I'm going to slide it across the desk. Take it or leave it. And I guarantee you they said, take it, yes, before they even looked at it. You know, I don't really need to look at it. Whatever, you name your price. Mm-hmm. You name your terms. We suck. We're terrible. This is Gresh and Fourier. To time. Wow, he missed them both. Rebound Barrett. Rebound Barrett. Timeout taken. 5.7 with a foul on the play. Look at Randall just Once smiling Barrett. by us. Andy Gresh. Jalen is a guy who can kind of get down on himself, particularly after missing the free throws. Is that, do you have a conversation with him? I love you, Jalen. Anything more than that and anything going forward? I love you, Jalen, and I believe in you. Christian Fourier. Five seconds to go. Pasternak saved by Vasilevsky. And Tampa Bay has equaled a club record with its 11th consecutive home win. The Bruins lose for the sixth time this season. Gresh and Fourier right now. My understanding is Joe Judge is going to be on the 2023 staff in a Lovely. different role. He's not going to be coaching the quarterback, but he does have a role carved out. Matt Patricia's status, I think, is a little bit more up in the air here. I don't think you'll see him in Vegas over the next few days. Can I just ask you, do we know what role Joe Judge will be in? Uh, TBD. I okay. have an idea of where that might shake out, but nothing's final yet. On WEEI. Oh, we got thoughts on what Joe Judge will be doing next year with the New England Patriots. It is 10.03. Welcome into your Friday. 10.03? Rush and Foyer here. What the hell? Well, listen, they had to give extra time for uh, Wiggy and Foyer to uh, <laughs> discuss race issues, and we'll just leave hey. it at that. It was, as I said, when Wiggy was walking out of the room, that was the closest thing that I have been a part of that would have been a 90s locker room conversation in like 20 years. We just had the hottest four minutes of if it ever went on the air or people talking, people would be so lost. They'd be like, what are these two guys no, yelling no, about? I think they're eventually it's, we're going to have this discussion on air. I think we I think we might. We're going to have to. You know what? We should do it on Ken Laird's birthday. Let's yes. give him a big old case of yes. pucker butt yeah. for uh, the Laird man to uh, bring that that discussion so he can, on the so air. he can run in press no. the dump button you can't have that conversation and Wiggy's the only the one allowed to talk about yep. race right. and then meanwhile Curtis is like tripping <laughs> Ken as he's going down the hallway Greg's laughing Courtney's in a corner just shriveled up being like oh my god I can't hear this well but hey listen before we officially start the show oh boy I just want to tell you something because oh. you know sometimes you screw up you're already sick of me no 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 sometimes you screw up and you know people criticize you i just want to let you know like you know i love you man like i love you oh i love you you know know, it doesn't you know you don't have to worry about me like judging you or being mad at you because i know what you're capable of doing grash even when you screw up i'm on let's listen I love you. You just touched my feeling. Yeah, good because I, I need I need more from you tomorrow and the next day and the next day. So let me make well, sure I I feed your ego and let you know that listen. even though you screw up, I still love you, man. Oh, you need me. I, was I still say, love you. If you need something from me the next two days, forget about it. 
I'll be in uh, I'll be in Smokesville by five o'clock this afternoon. What is to catch Smokesville? My, it's uh, is it's it, a, should, it's I, a, should I make a stop there too? I was just gonna say you're uh, <laughs> in the in the summer. It's on the deck. In the winter, it's ah, in the garage. And ah, Smokesville moves around, okay. but uh, for the first time since January six two thousand. And 22. It has been over a year since the Boston Bruins and the Boston Celtics have lost a game on the same day. 36 times. We're talking over a year. Is that in good? which we saw what we saw last night. It's pretty good. Is it? It's it like, is, I figured like it would have been like 1995 or something like that. But uh, since it, last year? I mean, it's pretty. Okay. When you is think it an of, important number? Yeah. Oh, right. oh, oh absolutely. Okay. Because it, it, it shows the heater that both have been on. It shows the run that both teams have been on. But, you know, we got to let, let, let's spread the love because the Celtics did lose to the Knicks last night in overtime, 121-17. Celts had a big fourth quarter run just to be able to get this thing to overtime. Uh, and then when they do, you're in a three-point game and Jalen Brown is at the line, and he misses a couple of free throws. And, yes, we are poking fun at what you are about to hear, but after the game with those missed free throws, Joe Mazzula was asked, well, about Jalen Brown. Jalen is a guy who can kind of get down on himself, particularly after missing the free throws. Is that, do you have a conversation with him? I love you, Jalen. Oh, my God. Anything more than that and anything going forward? I love you, Jalen, and I believe in you. Christian, your thoughts? I, I want to throw up on the microphone just real quickly. I, no, no, I, no. I'm have, I have this whole I have this gag reflex. Get a trash can. I have a gag reflex, and that just actually triggered it because it doesn't have to be that dramatic, does it? Does it have to be that dramatic? Hey, ladies, that was Abby Chin, right? Yeah. Asking the question. Yeah. Hard-hitting questions from Abby Chin. So glad she's there to pr- provide that content. Uh, I love you, Jalen. Like, Really? So the dude misses uh, the front end, uh, hits the front end of the rim. Uh, they're down one. He makes both free throws. Uh, they're in the lead. They probably end up winning the game. Who knows? But at the worst case scenario, you say he hits one of them. Mm-hmm. He hits one of them. Listen, it happens. It shouldn't, especially for a guy like that. But I don't know. When you were watching, in my head, I said, you know what? Based on the way his night was going and how bad he was playing, I, I actually felt like this dude's going to miss both these free throws. <clears throat> sure as hell he did. But it doesn't matter. It's all good. Your coach loves you. I to love me, there's, you, Dale, and I believe in you. There's, there's, there's something about that, and I don't know, maybe I'm just the old school hardo with things like this. I just don't think it needs to be, I don't know, do, do I really need to let the public know that I appreciate and love Jalen Brown? It just felt it felt forced to me. Okay. And so I was like, Bleh. All right, let's go to the the start of the show and the whole uh, Bruins you, Bruins and Celtics. Yeah. Look at why Bruce Cassidy got pushed out because he was the guy who would have been like Christian Fourier. I'm going to sit in front of a microphone and say, well, if this guy's a GD all-star, he should be making those. No, I think it's different. To me, I think in the it, NBA, to me, it's like if a guy drops a pass, you like a, give a, him, you have to give huggies. And then that's, that's kind of my point. I feel like it's, he's an adult. Aww, really? he's, an, he's an adult, and I, I, I feel like I don't know that that to me felt <laughs> uh, it was like a forced relationship. It was like a, you know, uh, it was like, hey, listen, I want to make sure you know you don't you know go into the tank over the next two weeks, and I just don't think he will. If a if a guy dropped a pass. 
you know, like a critical third down, something like that, drops the pass, something right in his bread basket. I, I don't think it would be needed for the coach to be like, similar question, you know what, Hashimal led, everybody know that I love Gresh. Well, what about the, well, you know what, that's not important. He needs to know that I love him and I trust him. I don't think he believes that you don't trust him. I don't think he thinks that you don't love him. Now, suddenly you're an outcast because you missed the, you know, you missed two free throws. It just seems a little bit corny to me. Oh, it's what aggravates you about the NBA is that you've got to pat him on the head and give him hugs and pat him on the bum. And not that Joe Missoula should have come out and eviscerated Jalen Brown. No. But that response was interesting. And Jalen Brown after the game talking about Jalen Brown and everything that went down last night. Uh, just got to be better, uh, to be honest. Tonight was just a rough game, you know, and I'm a better basketball player than I played today. And those two missed free throws kind of embodied, like, the whole game, you know, for me. Didn't really get it going. Didn't give my team enough energy to win. And, and that's what happens when you don't come out and uh, give your best. Um, and I'll be better. He was, listen, he was dookie all night. I mean, he had the the late uh, overtime surge where he gets that he gets that quick two pointer and he you know attacks the basket and you're like okay here we go, but that at, but the majority of the game he sucked. I mean, he was eight of twenty two, hit one out of eight uh, three pointers. It was five of seven. If I told you he was five of seven from the free throw line, would you say oh okay that's why it's not bad? I mean, it's you know seventy percent, seventy one percent. It's not great. Stats are deceiving. It, but the, the, the but two he missed the last were two. Yeah. So if you say, listen, if you missed the first two, at the end you're like, oh crap, who cares? Listen, he's got to make the shots. That's what you pay him the money for. A guy that his level, you know, you would expect him now under the pressure to mm-hmm. make this at least one out of the two. You got to make fifty percent. I would expect him to do that. So I would chalk this up as an outlier. Personally, I would chalk it up as an outlier. This is not who he is. This is not what you're used to. Everyone has a crap game. Yours just came at the worst possible time. It's more than that. What Jaylen, is it more than? Because Jalen Brown screams about wanting respect. That Jason Tatum is thought of he's up here, and Jalen Brown is good, but just a little below right here. For those of you who saw on Twitch, not that big a difference, right? There's your difference. That is why some people don't cut Jalen Brown a break. Because in a situation like that where you're having the bad game, and we've seen it from really great players in the NBA, I don't have a great game, how can I impact the game? Jalen Brown could have impacted the game dramatically and saved his night by just making a couple of free throws. You want to be an all-star? You know, even you falling into the whole, you know, Gary Washburn trap, MVPs don't miss those free throws. So shelve the MVP stuff as much as Jalen Brown wants to be considered. To me, this is a part of the reason why Jalen Brown is thought of the way he is. Because in situations like this, you got to come through. You don't get many of those. And you're standing at a free throw line. And I don't care who you are. Greg Hill standing in the hallway, ladies and gentlemen. We can put him on a treadmill for 30 minutes and gas him out. Stand him at the free throw line. He's capable of knocking two of them down. And I'm not using Greg as a bad example, but I'm just saying is that he's just have free to be right throw, he's right there. But free throws are things that you should make free. Like if you're a professional, you're an all star, especially in that spot, you got to make those. See that makes and me that's think of the difference. Well, there, that's part of it. I do agree with you. That is part of it. But there, when I think about this, okay, so what separates like the the uh, the greats from the good? 
So clutch. That's it. In that and then, league, it's and then clutch. It is clutch. And really in really in any sport. So you're right. What separates this guy from that guy? Well, because you're all gonna end up having similar opportunities. Who shines in that scenario? And then who like, you know, completely, you know, crumbles under the pressure. So I do think it's important. You know, Turp was at the game the other night and he said they were actually there was a couple guys trying to start an MVP chant. For Jalen Brown, come That's on, right now. in the first quarter, it, uh, right? They're they they trying right. to chant for him, right? And, they, and it didn't take. It didn't take. So I would, I would think that he's always going to be chasing Jason Tatum. Always. I don't care how much his management team, his PR team, tries to put him in front of Jason Tatum. He's always going to be chasing because the guys like me who said, "Hey, listen, you should give him some respect. Also, you should put some respect on his name. Also." He's just as talented. He comes up when when Jason Tatum disappears. He shows up and he makes up the difference. Missing free throws like this is probably the worst like visual reminder of your shortcomings as of anything else I could see. Forget about the way Jason Tatum missed the last second shot to win the game in regulation. You can understand a guy like that. Like Listen, those all the time, they don't fall, but at least you still have overtime. Being able to kind of... Get the lead, secure like a, a you know a, a possible win, even though there was still time left on the clock, and then miss both of them. So you miss the first one, you hit the front end of the rim. Self-correct. You should know that. The, hey, a little bit more, at least at the back of the rim. I don't know. Like, listen, he choked. He's it's not easy to say that he choked. He's never been a great free throw shooter. A texter to three seven ninety three seven says he misses free throws at the end of games all the time, and that's right. I'll bet you if you did. A fourth quarter free throw comparison Ooh. of guys that were all star caliber players. It'd be very interesting to see close and late how those guys would do. Bruins did lose in Tampa three to two last night. Victor Hedman scored the game winner. You know, Brandon Carlo ran into Linus Olmark and helped Tampa score. First loss to Tampa this season for the Bruins, but there was a big non interference call. That went against the Bruins last night. David Krejci was asked about it after the game. Krejci, did Stamkos' stick go on your stick during that face-off? I didn't see the replay, but I felt like he, he went uh, straight for my stick before uh, before the you know the puck touched the ice. You're not allowed to do that. I got kicked out for that uh, many times, but uh, I don't want to accuse the ref because I uh, that's that's how I felt. Um, but I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, they they missed the call, but Bruins lose a tough one to Tampa, three to two. Not the end of the world with them. Whereas with Jalen Brown, people are gonna want to maybe extract the pound of flesh today. Gresh and Fourier on WEEI. Is this a part of your Friday crap? It sure is, right, Terp? Yeah, yeah, this is it. This Absolutely. is his choice. Oh, you mean you already on like on the week one was like, I want to pick the Friday music, and now three weeks later you forgot? He sent it to me. He just doesn't put it wait, in the wait, group wait, chat. That's wait, all. Hold on a second. What are you even talking about? No one said nothing was sent. Like, you were actually jumping to conclusions. I really don't appreciate it, by the way. <laughs> I don't appreciate... You know the, you the negativity and the me. attitude. I don't, I don't appreciate the, the 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 attitude. Like I can't believe you're doing this to me on a Friday. I was like, that was like probably one of the greatest songs in the history of mankind, "Hotel California." 
if you're going to lip sync a song and if you're going to like, uh, you know, like that is the song you play. It's like Freebird and uh, Hotel California. Those two together. Oh, back to back. God almighty. I can close any deal with those two songs. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. What are you hanging out with the BBWAA uh, yeah. now? Because yeah. it's either Bruce or the Eagles, one of the two. Not Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. I mean, the, the love of Bruce Springsteen is so overrated. It's like, okay, born in the USA, okay, and that's it. So do you think when the Patriots got on the team plane yesterday and it was Bill Belichick and Gerard Mayo and Bill O'Brien and I don't know, the internet was said that Steve Belichick was gone because he wasn't listed as one of the coaches at the East-West Shrine game. So, I don't know, I guess he must have snuck onto the plane maybe. And then Joe Judge as well. Oh, apparently, all Judge. Of, apparently all of those dudes are going to be like coaching supervisors, consultants, or they're just going to be standing around staring at all the talent that will be on the field in this All-Star game coming up. Um but Joe Judge, so I'm just going to real simply put two and two together here, Foyer. Okay, go ahead. So Bill Belichick is a head coach. Yep, yep. Gerard Mayo is either, depending on when they announce his title, an assistant head coach or a co-defensive coordinator with Steve Belichick. Okay. Bill O'Brien's the offensive coordinator. Yep. So why is Joe Judge on that plane? Man. Sounds uh, like all the- or seems like. He'd be the special teams coordinator. That is, that is, I am fine with that. The only place I would put him was special teams. I would not let him hang around the offensive meeting rooms. I would not, um, uh, I would not allow him to talk to the offensive players during offensive drills. The only time he would be able to coach them up was would be as uh, a punt team uh, gunner, uh, a long snapper, a kicker, or a punter. I don't want him anywhere near the offense. Period. And I mean, and to be honest, to, I mean, honestly, I don't think Mac wants him anywhere near the offense. I don't think Mac Jones wants Joe Judge anywhere near him. If he is, then it's pretty much malpractice by Bill Belichick. Yeah, I think uh, you tell me. Okay, who's the worst? Who's who's uh, who you who do you think is the worst of the two? Like just with every, not just you mean a Maddie P and Maddie uh, Joe P, Judge? Maddie P. Don't answer it. As far as all encompassing. Attitude, personality, ability to teach, uh, likability, all that stuff. Who's who's the worst of the two? Oh my god! To me, it's an easy answer, Greg. Well, I, you're going to say uh, the, easy, the 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 more likable guy is Matt Patricia, absolutely, because Joe Judge comes across a certain way that Matt Patricia doesn't. Even though to a lot of fans, people will be like, "Oh, don't mention Matt Patricia's name around me ever again," because it was so awful. Like with Joe Judge, we needed the confirmation that came out. From Andrew Callahan and Karen Gregan yesterday in the Herald to to allow us to know that Joe Judge is as bad as people thought he is. Whereas with Matt Patricia, the reason a lot of people would say that is because it was out in plain sight. But yeah, if if Joe Judge is involved in the offense other than the kicking game, then that's a Bill Belichick problem. That's an issue from him. You can have him be the kick game guy. Because, yes, you are coaching offensive players, but that would put the guy in his wheelhouse. And you've been in the NFL. You were in the NFL for, what, 12 years? By 13 years. 13 by the time it was all said and done with that free year of money in Carolina. And I still worked. But you you were around guys that you knew, hey, maybe this isn't a terrible person, but, my God, in this role, nobody can tolerate him. I, and that, that I just don't think 
that then I think that's it. I think Joe Judge has is probably is looked at as the biggest hardo, obviously. When you get the report that he was talking loud and being real boisterous on purpose to make people, you know, try to, to convince people that he was smart and he knew what he was talking about is such a it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. So if I was going to remove anybody, I would I would remove Joe Judge in a second. I would rehabilitate Matt Patricia, but I don't think I I care to take the time to rehabilitate Joe Judge. Okay. I'm glad you used the word rehabilitate because one of the things I wanted to get into with you is can Joe Judge rehabilitate his reputation with the players on this team by being in the role that led him to being a head coach, which was special teams? Here's the thing with special teams. Okay, if you're, uh, you know, 49, 50, 51, you know, the tail end of the roster, you are, that's your coach. Right. You work for him. Brendan Schooler's coach. Yeah, it's his coach. Was Cam Acord. Yeah, right? that's, same his, for, that's his coach. Right. Same for even, Slater. Even though those guys are receivers or whatever, that's really their coach. Mm-hmm. 80, 90% of the stuff that you do is with him. He, he's the guy you answer to. The other guys, that's part-time work. That's forced labor is what I like to call it. Forced labor. I don't want to be on special teams. I don't need to do that. Let those guys do it. I hated special teams. I wanted nothing to do with it. So, for me... If you if it's forced labor and you're not like his guy, you just do the job. You listen to him and you leave. You don't ever talk to him. You don't go in his meeting rooms. The only time you actually be in your meeting room when it's like special teams, right, or something to that effect. But you're really not paying attention. You hope the guy in front of you never gets hurt. Like Slater is in the wide receiver room when he's not in special teams meetings, but he's really just he's, kind of there. They, they, like you know, Joe and they Judge probably is let coach. him go work out. Yeah, I mean to be honest with <laughs> go you, get so, a pump if you want. We so don't need you in here. I don't. Like, I, when it comes, I it, it's so funny. Like with Joe Judge, I I, I sit there and go, it was so obvious that the uh, the Giants players just revolted it was like they just said we're not listening to this guy he's full of crap we don't trust him all he does is talk down to us he thinks he's like has this reputation and this all these accolades you know even but he's like acting like he won everything when he was you know bill's assistant he was not even like the offense court he was a special teams coach but he was acting like he had all he won all these awards so it just doesn't work matt works I, Matt can work because mm. Matt, to me, I'll start from the beginning. Matt is <laughs> Matt, <laughs> to, and you're going to be crazy. This is going to make this may make you laugh. We went to an IHOP uh, once. Yeah, There's yeah. how it begins. He, I think that Matt is more lovable. I'll use that word. I think he's lovable, cuddly. I think he's uh, he's uh, 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 what now? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I think look, I do. I think he uh, is. I, that's like saying. <laughs> Matt is lovable, but that's, but that's like saying that a guy like because everybody knows that Bill Belichick's right hand man is Berge Nigerian. Yeah, we've all known that by yeah. now. That's like saying Berge is lovable. You think from a, from a perception standpoint? Here's the thing: How can the guy who is viewed as and let's be real about this, Matt Patricia, now a do boy of the head coach, be lovable? Because he is. That is, I think. In, uh, I think, at his core, that is who, what his personality is. Like, I mean, he is. Joe Judge isn't. Joe Judge's personality is in your face, loud, boisterous. Listen to me, or else. That 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 coaching mentality, which I don't think plays. 
like the whole fear-based coaching like I, that I hate. Maybe he needs to tell people that he loves them and that he trusts Pro- them. But I wouldn't believe him. You're, You're just saying it because you want me to run down faster. <laughs> I don't believe you, jerk. And no one's buying it. No, Matt is lovable. I love you. Matt is lovable. I think if you put him as a position coach, I think uh, players would go back to loving him all over again, respect him. He is bright, and he's got more of a reputation of success than Joe Judge does. Like, right? I mean, Matt's biggest issue is that he never should have been never should have been hired. He took a bad a job. He took well. Yeah. He, he's not a head he, coach. He, he ex- doesn't. He's not ready for it. Right. He can't speak to the media. He's. I think he's a little insecure. I think he he's defensive, and so they're attacking him. He doesn't know what to say. And then when he does say something, he looks worse than. And then the Detroit Lions like just feasted on him, and it started off terrible because as soon as he gets the job, they bring up this you know issue from his past when he was in college. You know, about mm-hmm. this, uh, you know, some spring break deal with some woman. Right. So instantly he's defensive. He's like, you know, fighting them back. So th- it was doomed from the beginning. I think he can thrive in this system, but not as a quarterback's coach, not as an offensive tight ends coach. Put him on the defense. Give him a position. His players will play for him. He's smart. Here's the thing with Matt. Matt can look at a position and be like, okay, and he can tell you the why. A thousand times over, he can tell you the why. Hey, but what if this happens? Well, you're going to have to do this. Or what if this happens and they go into this position? Well, then you're going to have to do this. Okay, well, what if there's time left on the clock? And you're going to have to do this all day long. He'll look like a genius. He's as long one as of the most brilliant people I've ever been around in terms of football knowledge. So That was a lie. That was a lie. That was Mac. Protect. That's my point. Mac would protect Matt, because what you described didn't work for him last year. He it's can't like, do that like, on it's offense. Like, I mean, like, how do you yell and scream at a guy that's completely over his head and, like, just doing something because no one else was willing to do it? Well, you take it out on that person because it's really the head coach. Yeah. You put the person in there, but you don't want to – whoa, sorry about that, but I, I don't want to – Is that, like, breaking news? I no, no, no. I, uh, I thought Turp was adding that for some sort of no, reference. No, I, I forgot to – Forgot to put the I forgot to put the uh, the buzzer on. Why do you think? Hold on. Why do you think <clears throat> that? Uh, like whenever you saw, I feel like Mac felt terrible for ripping or being frustrated at Matt. I felt like he like there was a there was one game where Matt was like sitting on this cooler, right? Sitting on the big Gatorade cooler, and it was almost like it was almost like, God, I can't believe we made it through this game. And then here comes Mac Jones coming up to give him a hug. It's almost like, dude, listen, we did it. I, I, limitations uh, be damned. We did it. Okay, let's get out of here. Let, and then Joe Judge was nowhere to be found. Nobody wants to console Joe Judge. Nobody right. wants to, like, hang out with him and say, dude, can you believe we survived? To me, that was Matt going to Matt Patricia and saying, dude, we survived. Let's get the hell out. Let's yeah, thank our but, lucky stars and get the hell out of here. But if you were to put Matt Patricia as a defensive coordinator and Joe Judge as a special teams coach, right, their wheelhouse, who's better at their job? I think there are a lot of people who would argue that as a special teams coach, Joe Judge was better at that end of things than maybe Matt Patricia was as a defensive coordinator. Because, again, Matt Patricia is viewed as a do-boy Dare I say? Now he is, yeah. No, but even before that, because uh, who got all really? the who got all the credit for the defenses here? There were there was nary a defensive coordinator over the past decade or so where we were like, wow, that guy has added to the genius of Bill Belichick. I think people look at Matt Patricia as a Bill Belichick creation. 
dare I say, his bitch. That it's the, oh, really? that's the, people laughing. Listen, with Joe Judge, he coaches a part of the game that people are aware that it's important because Bill Belichick says so, but they don't understand why it's important. With offense, it's, oh, you score points. With defense, it's keep points off Wait, the field. Wait, do you think it was always when, like that? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, really? yeah. So yeah. when he is elevated was from... viewed as really? a guy... Oh, th- think about Why, because it. he's friends with Bill and they hang out at the Super Bowl together and, wives than, are, and their wives slash girlfriends are friends? More than that. It's the whole coming up through the ranks. I think that fans look at Matt Patricia and say the only reason that guy has the opportunity that he does is because of Bill and the connections to Wesleyan and all that kind of well, what stuff. What about right? Josh McDaniels? What about uh Well, you know, Josh McDaniels was a John uh, Eric Mangini. Guy. What about every single defensive coordinator that had somehow was coaching a position or picking up people from the airport that suddenly were promoted to position and then defensive coordinator or whatever. So all those guys are just kissing it's, his ass. It's the attached at the hip part of it that people see in the media that allows them to draw the conclusions. And then, oh, by the way, you then have the guy being like, well, I was part of one of the biggest plays in Super Bowl history. Really, Matt? Really? Like, that's the one, that's the one that gets me and gets people. You know why? Because when NFL Films shows what's going on on the Patriots' sidelines right before Malcolm Butler makes that interception, who are they showing? They're showing Bill Belichick standing there staring at the other sideline while Matt Patricia's looking at Bill saying, Sir, what am I supposed to do? Well, and then he me, puts him in this role and he looks but, like a rube. But, but, that's, but that's any defensive coordinator, any, any defensive coordinator on this staff is always going to be – they're always going to defer to Bill. Is like that, with Andy Reid, they're always going to defer to Andy Reid calling offensive plays. Just like any coordinator under Bill Walsh, you, they're going to defer to him. Do you think people have the same feeling about Gerard Mayo as they do Matt okay, Patricia? Okay, I think it's different, though, because he came Mayo up differently. Was a he was a player. I that's, think there's a, but that's my point, is that it, it, whether it's fair or not to Matt Patricia, there is a view that – he was just the guy that was attached to Belichick's hip. Steve Belichick might be a really good coach. You think he'll ever get credit around here for anything that he could do on his own or being the co-defensive coordinator? I, 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 I no. will say the, the 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 biggest difference for me, okay, is if you talk about attached to the hip, like, hey, this is like a good old boys club in its truest form because out of all the coordinators, offense and defense, out of all like the coaches that came through this system, Matt Patricia is the only one that is universally known as being someone that is hanging out on the town with. When you go to the Super Bowl, it's Bill, it's Linda, and it's Matt and his wife. They're having dinner together. They like each other so much that even in their free time, they like to hang out together. Mm -hmm. They like to break bread together. They probably talk about more stuff than just football, which almost forces people to believe that there's a – Almost like a, uh, I don't know, some like, hey, I, you know, uh, you know, I owe you one type of deal. Like this whole, like, uh, I'm, I'm going to hire my son. It's like the same mentality. Right. It's almost like he didn't earn it. He was like handpicked. That is the difference because Romeo Cornell was here forever. Charlie Weiss. I mean, I, listen, but those Grace, guys, I can't all the, think of all the names that came before him. But those guys also came in with a different kind of reputation. And like, you, like Romeo. What was, what was Matt Patricia's reputation, though? 
Uh, I think I got probably one of the biggest plays in the fourth quarter in the history of the NFL where I think I did a pretty good job. That, See, he's just, he doesn't that, know how to speak to people. That he, was, that he was just a Bill Belichick guy is really what it is. I think there are, well, unfortunately... Well, what were all the other guys? They're all Bill Belichick guys. Eric Mangini was a gopher. Go for that. Go for this. Print me this out. Grab this tape. Josh McDaniels was the same way. They're all the same way. The only difference that mm-hmm. I can think of is the off-the-field, out-of-Gillette Stadium relationship that exists. Hey, I'm thinking about having some friends over. Why don't you grab a bottle of Chardonnay and we'll pop that bad boy open and we'll talk about the good old days and let the wives sit there and like talk about how much they hate our, 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 our lifestyle. Let's do that. I think that's it. I don't I'm, think of anything else. Okay. I'm looking at a story in the Detroit Free Press. This dated 1-18-2018. In the story, it talks about the whole thing of Matt Patricia, right? Beginning to end, the RPI. Someone was like, oh, what connections to Wesleyan? He was at Amherst. For If you know anything about the NESCAC or the little three within the NESCAC, the whole Wesleyan, Amherst, and, and Williams, those three schools are, hell, the, the, the guy at last that I knew who was the head coach at Wesleyan? They stole him from Williams. There's all that incestuousness there of that NESCAC deal, right? But I'm looking in the Detroit Free Press, and you know what a section of the article says? Bill's foster child. It's a good, it's a good line. It's a good line. It, per, per, see, per, and, and, listen, and here's the thing. You're based, you're probably much more in reality when it comes to this. The public perception is, is that, Matt Patricia wouldn't have a job in the NFL if it weren't for Bill Belichick. Now, that's hyperbole. Bill was the only guy who to hire and put him in as the offensive coordinator. But I think well, there that is too. that. I think well, there is the feeling of that, of the whole, well, it's like he's another Belichick kid. Well, Whereas with Joe Judge, he stands on his own two feet. With Josh McDaniels, he came from a coaching family. There's the John Carroll ties, all that kind of stuff. With this guy, it's like, He's a brainy smarty out of the NESCAC. Bill's a brainy smarty out of the NESCAC. Well, okay. It's been, that's been, uh, the foster child line is good. I like it. But I think it's been further, it's it's like that should have been almost stamped and double stamped based on, hey, um, because he made him the offensive corner. That, to me, reaffirms it, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like it validates the foster child because why would you, who, first of all, who would do that in their good mind? as a defensive coordinator, say, hey, yeah, Bill, I'll do that for you. Because I feel like that's Matt being doing him a solid, even though it wasn't, it wouldn't benefit him. Correct. He did it because Daddy wanted him to do it. And even though it was going to ruin him and kill his reputation, he did it anyway. And if you could stand on your own two feet, you might say no. No, it's not. I can't do it. 617-779-7937. we got to get to Marcus Jones as well. But some of you have some thoughts on the Patriots coaching situation. Can Joe Judge just slide to special teams and everything be okay? That's next. WEI. WEI. New England Sports Original. And Fourier on WEEI and streaming on WEEI.com. And that's caught here. And Marcus Jones inside the 20. Marcus Jones down the sideline. Touchdown. So this guy plays special teams defense and, by the way, can play offense as well as you just saw. 
No Vegemite sandwiches for lunch today. We're all out. That was from Amazon, where it sounded like Al Michaels had a bit of a pulse there. That was Marcus Jones scoring his touchdown against the Bills. 1049, Gresham Fourier here with you. We're going to take you back to 23 years ago today. However, we know that we've got Bill O'Brien in the house now, Fourier. We know that that guy needs talent. He needs players. Mm-hmm. What do you think about Marcus Jones moving to offense full-time? Oh, full-time? No, I'm against it. I'm against it. Why? Well, I mean, I think you I think you need him. I think he's a gimmick offensive guy. That's okay. right. So he's a gimmick offensive guy in case of emergency, break glass. He's obviously very talented. I think they'll probably end up using him the same way. I think they will keep him on defense, and I think they have enough guys that they don't need to be gimmicky anymore. They can be gimmicky with the guys that are on the offense. Like, do I think that uh, Marcus Jones goes into Bill O'Brien's office and says, listen, I still want to be involved in the offense? No, I don't think he does. No, but can't you look at that guy and say, well, we did sign Welker. We developed Amendola a little bit in the slot. We developed Edelman. Why can't they do it with this guy? So I don't know enough him as far as his college days to look at him as being how, like, could he play in the slot full-time, say Jacoby Myers ends up leaving? Probably. I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, he's got all the he's got all the tangibles he's, for that position. He's everything that, thank you, he's everything you would look for yeah. in that position. Yeah, it's funny. It's like the three, I wonder what his three cone drill was. Because isn't that like the like the test that, that, that Bill always looks at? Because if you look at Edelman, you look at Welker, Look at any of those guys, and you go back to the draft, like they always have like the best three cone drill. So the three cone drill, let me see, what is the three? Oh yeah, so it's like it's like the letter L. He did not participate oh, according he did to uh sort of the this is the bleacher report scouting department. Nice. Yeah. And uh apparently he didn't do it, but it says one of the <laughs> It has in here about some of the uh, positives and then the negatives. And one of the negatives that they have written is which side of the ball do you use them really? on? Really? I'm trying to think of a comp for him. What would be a comp? I don't even know what a of comp Of a guy would that be. came in like on defense or something? Because well, I mean, it, I wouldn't put it past Bill. If you recruit, if you draft a guy that played quarterback at Kent State and then you turn him into one of the best slot receivers the NFL has, has ever seen, then I don't see why it would be a surprise that Marcus Jones turned into that guy. All right, let me ask a tad bit of a nerd, nerd. nerd question. What's more valuable, a slot receiver or a slot corner? Well, a uh, slot corner now, to me, is an everyday player based on the the spread formations, the multiple wide receiver sets, all the different people that need to be covered by by their so by proxy then if there are more wide receivers on the field then so is your slot corner yes so that's i would say under these circumstances are starters yes that's my point he's a starter so you have your traditional two corners and they used to hey say that so the the third corner would only come in some sort of nickel situation right okay but nowadays that guy's on the field you know 85 90 percent of the time Based on all like the different formation. Now you're playing a two tight end set, he's probably not going to be on the field unless, you know, they go some sort of different personnel grouping. But I would say slot corner. Me, you always need corners. I feel like corners are like you can never have enough like defensive tackles or something like that. You can have enough, you know, uh, you know, uh 
Are you going to have enough like well, uh, I think corners? You, I, you can't have enough of them. You, you you can't have enough defensive players. It feels like now because a lot of those guys are getting hurt. And if you can play good defense, you can go a long what way. What would you do in the with league. them? Uh, boy, I'd have it'd be real tough. I, honestly, for me, if I were Bill Belichick, I'd be talking to my group and be like, "Hey, listen, we know we got Mills." Where do we stand on a Jonathan Jones extension? Can we bring him back maybe for two years? I got Jack Jones. I know Marcus can play there. And the other man, guy, it's the a, other guy. But so, it's a but it's a guy who's been in our system. We know him. I'd have a real it'd be a tough discussion for me because it fixes a problem for you What's the on problem? offense. What's the that, problem on that offense? You don't have a you slot fixed, guy. You fixed the problem on offense. Oh, you fixed it with Bill yeah. O'Brien, yeah. but you still need talent. Well, okay, well, you're going to re-sign Jacoby Myers. Well, that's the other thing, too, is that who's going to cost me more to sign? Is it going to cost me $12 million to bring back Jacoby Myers, but $7 million to bring back John Jones? Hell, I'll move Marcus to the other side, bring in John Jones for $5 million less, go buy me a $4 million corner in free agency to replace what Marcus Jones could do, and then go draft more See, guys. See, I will say that. But, I, but a wide receiver, i got to get somebody up to speed, unless Bill O'Brien knows... This guy is a plug and play. I don't think that uh I I still think he's involved. I still think he's involved in the offense because he is too talented. And the thing with a guy like him is that you as a punt returner, you just don't have enough opportunities. He touches the ball, they kick it out of bounds, kickoff return, they they always kick it out of bounds. So you just don't have enough opportunities to make a difference. So putting him in situational positions. I think is something they will definitely keep doing. Is he a two-way situational player? Maybe that's where they land. I think he's a I'm full-time gonna... defensive player. Oh, interesting. All right. And a part-time def- offensive player. All right. We'll continue to unpack this with you. 617-779-7937. 23 years ago today, everything changed around here, and you might not even realize it. We'll explain next.